0: Tiger fans, welcome to another episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. I am the Corey C. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We do not want you to miss a single episode. We have some surprising shows some surprising guests coming up all season long, So you want to make sure you're tuned in. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether that's the Apple Podcast app, the Google Podcast app, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. So follow the show and tell every Tiger that you know. And remember, when you support Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club, it all helps the cause, which is the I love Jackson State University. And of course, football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sporting wagers, info, with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates, stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit online where the game starts. All right, and we have a big one coming up. The Jackson State Tigers will be traveling over to Texas to take on an FBS opponent, big-time FBS opponent, first time playing this team, and we are looking forward to it. Not a lot of familiarity with this team, so we have to go and find the guys who know all about this Texas State Bobcats team. And I have two good ones here for you. First and foremost, he has been around the program and the university for 20, 20 years, give or so. I don't want to give away a day. we say about 20 years, from student to radio and TV broadcast, and now the ESPN Plus play-by-play announcer for Texas State Athletics, none other than Mr. Brant Freeman. Welcome to Tiger Talk at 1400 Club. Happy to be here, Corey. How's Looking everything going? To man? Everything's going great. Uh, Looking forward right, to it. Uh, perfect, perfect. All right. We are also joined by a man who has almost 25 years of experience announcing high school football, basketball, and baseball games throughout the state of Texas, and he is currently the play-by-play voice for Texas State football and men's basketball, none other than Clint Shields. Welcome to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club.
1: Corey, thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you, Brant. Glad to be here with you all.
0: Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to meeting you guys. Looking forward to the game coming up. Of course, a first time matchup between these two schools. And uh, we don't know what to expect. We've been hearing about this Texas State program for a while now. You guys just kind of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but in the past year or so, your name has really started to make some national headlines and national waves with what's going on with the program. So we want to talk about it. Of course, last season, 4-8 overall. I think you guys were two and six in the Sunbelt Conference, but this is a totally different team with much higher expectations. And I think it all starts with your new head coach, G.J. Kenny, the offensive mastermind who orchestrated the number one offense in the country last season at Incarnate Word. Brant so talk to us about your new coach.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, Corey, as you mentioned, you know, G.J. Kenny came over from Incarnate Word, where last year they were explosive offensively, you know, at the FCS level, led the country in scoring more than 50 points a game and, Uh, He was there for one year. Before he took over, Eric Morris was the head coach, and then Morris left to become the offensive coordinator of Washington State. Now he's the head coach in North Texas. So GJ Kenny comes in, background that included time at Central Florida and Arkansas, um, a great playing background, a a star quarterback at at the University of Tulsa, later some time in the NFL, you know, with the Eagles, and um, really, you know, took the – uh, FCS world by storm last year with the kind of run UIW had, they were a player two away from playing for the national championship last year, you know, just fell short against North Dakota state, but he mm-hmm. comes to a uh, Texas state brings with them a number of coaches from that staff to include both of his coordinators, offensively, uh, and defensively, uh, a number of players came with them as well. Nine and Carter transfers are now part of the Texas state program. Um, young head coach, 34 years old, thought to be one of the young mm-hmm. up and comers, you know, in the industry right now, um, you know, and yeah, the brand of football he wants to play, you know, is entertaining. Uh, not only offensively, all his points being scored, but you know, defensively, the, his teams play very aggressive. You know, they get in the backfield a lot, sacks, tackles for loss, forcing turnovers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're only two games into his tenure, and they played two very entertaining games so far. Absolutely. You know, a, uh, a, a monumental – milestone season opening win at baylor first ever Uh win over the power five and did so convincingly in waco Uh too and then last week facing you know one of the top group of five programs in the country in utsa in front of fifty thousand, and um you know held their own you know ultimately came up a a touchdown short of that game but um you know two games in it's been very encouraging the gj kenny era
0: and Clint, I know we talked about I mentioned earlier, you know, you've covered high school football throughout the state of Texas. And we know that it's one of the most tradition rich states when it comes to football talent. I know Coach Kenny implemented this mantra called Take Texas Back. And uh, so talk about I know he's only been there a short amount of time and I think only nine months so far. But talk about what he's been able to do in such a short amount of time from a recruiting standpoint.
1: Yeah, the uh, the Take Back Texas uh, kind of initiative, if you will, is something that he well he we asked him on the show a couple of weeks ago who uh, who really gets credit for that, and he says he'll take it. So he takes credit <laughs> for for that, that that hashtag and kind of getting that started. And really, I think it's a um, it's a matter of trying to get back to to the roots of of Texas high school football in your recruiting, making that the base of what you're doing in this modern era of college football with the transfer portal. I don't think, uh, as a coach anymore, you're, you you have the luxury of just recruiting and building from the bottom up like that. Mm -hmm. You have to take that into account every year. Uh, I think with guys who move on, either through, you know, the transfer portal themselves, they graduate, they get drafted, injuries force them into, you know, retirement or what have you. You've got to look at that. But, uh, he's really tried to, uh, I think focus a lot of the transfer portal activity and certainly I think second in the country behind Deion Sanders and that Colorado program in terms Mm -hmm. of the number of transfers that they brought in a heavy, heavy dose of that are guys who are Texas high school kids who went elsewhere to play and now transferring have come back to the Lone Star State and then back that up Mm -hmm. with. Uh, you know, getting back to the the roots of Texas high school football in recruiting, and he's got I think 200 recruits coming in for this uh, wow. this game this weekend with Jackson State. A couple on official visits, uh, and, and you know the vast majority, if not all, of these are Texas high school kids. And I think that was that was kind of in the early days of the transfer portal, kind of got pushed aside the high school mm-hmm. ranks. It was sort of yeah, a yeah. a win now approach, which. I understand the, the need to do that, to upgrade the roster and try to have some immediate success. And if you hit on all the right guys, you can certainly do that. But if you don't, well, I think Texas State's kind of been mired in three and four win territory for a while. They've gotten, a, uh, I think, a really a uh, big boost in the uh, – in the talent level through the transfer portal off of this last class but at the same time there's a large class of uh, high school signees underneath it and then I think the focus going forward appears to be at the high school ranks like I said it may be supplemented a little bit to take care of some immediate need with you know some experience or uh, uh, you know a guy comes out of a power 5 school looking to transfer and uh, you know he's got certain abilities and intangibles that you that you want to take a shot at versus wait two years to develop off of a kid coming out of high school, but that takes back mm-hmm. take back Texas initiative. Really, it gets down to uh, to high school recruiting and and building the talent underneath. So as the current uh, upperclassmen move on, you've got Texas high school kids underneath that have been mm-hmm. in your program, hopefully for two and three years, and continue to grow.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, a good mix of players coming in through the transfer portal and from the high school ranks. They think a total of 71 new players on the team. And 24-7 sports ranked the recruiting class as the second best in the Sun Belt and the best in Texas State history. So kudos to Coach for that. But that's a pretty big roster overhaul. And that's something that we yeah. know all about here at Jackson State. We've seen it twice in the past three years when Coach Prime initially came. I mean, he, he almost started over from trash as far as bringing in new players. But, of course, he just left and Coach T.C. Taylor took over. And I'm sure you heard about it, but we relied heavily on the transfer portal Mm -hmm. as well, not to mention the high school signing class. And we brought in some really talented guys. And we had the number two recruiting class in FCS. Now, the challenge with that can be getting all those guys to jail in such a short amount of time. But both programs, Jackson State and Texas State, started off the season with big time wins, but both took a step back in their second game. So, Brent, how would you say this Bobcats team has jailed early on in the season with all the new players?
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, they've gelled pretty well so far, Corey. Um, you know, really, that very that very first game, it looked like these guys have been playing with each other for years. It was it was incredible with the chemistry they had, specifically on the offensive side of the football. I mean, the first drive of the game, they go three and out, and then they don't punt again until the fourth quarter. They had a 1.4 consecutive touchdown drives, and that's with mixing in different personnel. It wasn't the same – Running back, same receiver making these plays. It was other. It was multiple guys getting involved. I thought the offensive line played as well as they, you know, I've ever seen the offensive line play in that game against Baylor. A really well coached defensive team, you know, by Dave Aranda at, at Baylor, who has a tremendous defensive background, and they hung forty-two on them, you know, in Waco. Now, you know, last week it wasn't, you know, uh, maybe uh, it wasn't as impressive. You know, um, you can see, you can kind of see some growing pains there a little bit, you know, with all these new players. And it's funny, you mentioned coach prime at the FBS level, Colorado led the country and new players added, you know, roster turnover. They had the highest, Mm -hmm. the second highest Texas state. So when Colorado Texas State in terms of new, new, you know, uh, new players on the team and yet both won on the road against the big 12 was big underdogs, you know, week one, but Mm -hmm. But getting back to that second game, they did have, you know, a, a pretty tough injury on the offensive line. One of those nine newcomers from Encarno Ward, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. that came with Coach Kenny from San Antonio and Nash Jones. And his his loss up front really impacted, I thought, the remainder of the game when it came to pass protection, run, you know, run lanes and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe the environment of the Animal Dome made communication a little bit tougher when it came to, like, you know mm-hmm. – a uh, quarterback getting calls out to his you know, receivers and offensive line, protection calls and all that. So um, the chemistry looked great in week one, not as good as week two. But we, but we know this, Corey, the result will always, always dictate the narrative, right? You win uh-huh, a game uh-huh. and then it's because your chemistry was great. You know, your new players are great. Your coaching was great. Everything was great. You lose and you start to question all those things. So, same thing. Um, you know, it, 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 that just comes to, with wins and losses. But all in all, I think this new group has gelled together uh, immensely well. And I really do think this past Saturday, I hate to admit this, said, said more about UTSA mm-hmm. than it did Texas.
0: Mm. Wow. Wow. Clay, when you look at that big upset win over Baylor in week one and, and you compare it to the letdown in week two versus the UTSA team that, that one might think was. Probably was a more favorable matchup for you. What are some things that you think contributed to that step back, and how would you say the team's mentality is coming off that loss?
1: Well, from what I've what I've heard, and from being around them, seeing them in practice, and and after the first couple of weeks of the season, as to their mindset, I think they were angry coming off the field and Mm hurt to have not won. I think they went into both ball games, to be honest with you, including the game in Waco against Baylor expecting to step on the field and compete and win. They weren't there for moral victories. They weren't there to hang around and make it a fourth-quarter game and be close. They were there to win and believed that they could in both cases. To Brant's point, you know, if you're asking me to look at UTSA and Baylor on the field, having seen them both, I think UTSA is a better football team than Baylor. Uh, Defensively, really got after it up front. They were physical and aggressive and caused, you know, Texas State problems really from the get-go and then after the loss of Nash Jones to the to a you know in a lower leg injury I think it just kind of exacerbated it a little bit and you know the letdown the side of it I think as the game went on uh you know it was a really tough physical game UTSA was able to, to control the clock and they did it you know kind of in short bursts took advantage of some third down conversions and a couple of fourth down conversions but ran 92 offensive plays yet had 370, I think, total yards or around there. So it was about four yards of play. Defensively, Texas State certainly held held its own, kept its offense having a chance to win the ball game. They just couldn't get oh. on track. So I do think that they were, they were upset with themselves when they came off the field, missed some opportunities, you know, complete a – a 50-plus yard uh, you know, pass to, to a Cole Wilson receiver down the middle who catches it in stride at the 15. And unfortunately, that momentum tripped him up and he fell down at the seven, or he scores. Hmm. Extra point makes it a 17-17 game in the fourth. And who knows where we go from there. As it was, they had to settle for a field goal make making 17-13 in, in ultimately a 20-13 to game. So it was a game that was there for the taking, even though I think Texas State certainly – struggled by comparison to their performance in week one.
0: And, Brand, as we look forward, your starting quarterback, T.J. Finley, big guy, 6'7", 250. A lot of our fans are going to be familiar with him. He has some SEC experience having played at both LSU and Auburn. But talk about his play so far and how settled would you guys say that position is? It looks like he's taken all the snaps or at least the majority of the snaps, but I know there's some talent behind him, most notably Malik Hornsby, another SEC transfer from Auburn
2: yeah I know it's funny you know, uh you're Corey you're looking at TJ Finley and you mentioned his stature 67250 um he's an NFL size defensive end with an arm you know <laughs> and uh and he can be tough to take down too We you know we referenced the, the win at, at uh, Baylor and uh there are a couple of times he had a Houdini act back there where he's taking he bouncing off of would-be tacklers and keeping a play alive extending it leading to a touchdown on a pass to denario Davenport He's he's hard to bring down. Um, He has tremendous arm strength. You know, uh, you you referenced his time in the SEC at both Auburn and LSU. uh, Eleven starts between those two programs. You know, um, four-star recruit out of high school. You know, and um, I thought the the quarterback battle coming into camp was between he and and Malik Hornsby. You know, they, they were one and two in that race, and he just had a better camp. You know, Hornsby had. Now, he has a different skill strength than Malik Hornsby does. Not that T.J. Finley is immobile because certainly he's proven that he's not. He can move. He's not as fast as Hornsby, but that's not a fair comparison, because Hornsby is one of the fastest quarterbacks in the country. Um, Hornsby right. in Arkansas uh, didn't get a ton of opportunities. He got some. Um, and his skill set is certainly you know, uh, making plays outside the pocket, beating you with his feet kind of thing, not that – he's, you know, incapable of throwing the ball, threading the needle or throwing the ball 50 yards down the field. It's just that Hornsby does those things a little bit better. Um, Coach Kenny did mention to us in the radio show, to Clint and I, on Monday that they had some packages ready to go, you know, with Hornsby at UTSA uh, this past week, but the timing of it wasn't right. Um, Mm -hmm. You may, but that, so, but that tells me though, is that they are, you know, they want to get him on the field. He's too talented not to get him out there. Uh, and I would not be surprised at all to see him, you know, in a few packages this upcoming Saturday against Jackson State. Uh, both, both quarterbacks are new to the program. There isn't a single quarterback on the roster that took a snap with his team a year ago. Wow. Um, and so uh, the fact that there was a debate between those two it was actually a good problem. That meant that like you have depth at the position. You know, and if, and if knock on wood, anything were to happen to Hornsby, the you know assumed starter, you have an SEC four-star guy who can run a 4 43:40 right there in the in the wings when the wings ready to go. Um, so that's kind of you know the take in the quarterback situation as of right now.
0: Similarly, mm-hmm. at Jackson State with our quarterback situation, we have our starter, but we have a, a backup who could bring a, a different dimension to the table. So we try to implement a package or two him each game bring him in kind of I'll switch things up but one thing i can say about tj finley is uh, no interceptions this season which is huge mm-hmm. to take care of the ball and i state is one of only 29 fbs programs that can say that so great job with that but clint talk about those guys up front you kind of mentioned it earlier i think an injury or, or so but they say everything's bigger in texas it, and that's definitely true when it comes to that offensive line i mean just looking at it you guys go six five three twenty six six three twenty six six three twenty five six yeah. seven three fifty six four three thirty i mean that is massive and there's chemistry there too because at least three of those guys played together at uiw so talk about the beef up front
1: yeah four actually four of the five four, starters okay. in the first two games are transfers from incarnate word i think there were nine right. new offensive linemen that came in and you know a line averaging six five three fifteen i think uh across across that front and you know, Bray Walker, a transfer from Oklahoma, uh, is is really, I mean, he's bigger than most humans should be allowed to be. I mean, he's, he's, he's a massive individual and can move as well. I mean, they will pull him across. And so when you get somebody that big who can move forward, you know, if you're standing there trying to set the edge defensively, the last thing you want to see coming at you is Bray Walker. Uh, mm-hmm. UTSA, a couple occasions, found that out. On on Saturday afternoon, but no, it's a it's a group that you know obviously plays well together. Having four guys who did it and did it at a high level at the Incarnate Word last year, going to the FCS semifinals, coming in, bringing also or maybe he brought them, but you know maybe they brought him. I'm not sure, but their offensive line coach from our Incarnate Word mm-hmm. also. Is, uh, is on this staff with G.J. Kenny having come with him. So not only does he know four of his five starters through the first two games, they know him and his coaching style and what's expected and can relay that to the other new faces that have come in. And I think like any football team, the line play, both sides of the ball, is really where it starts. And so that offensive line against Baylor at times was able to reestablish the line of scrimmage on run plays three and four yards beyond the line of scrimmage. That's what was so impressive about that night uh, to me up in Waco was to go into a, a Big 12 building and do that to a, a Big 12 defense. UTSA last weekend really I felt like was, was the aggressor. On, the, mm-hmm. on that side, on the defensive line side of the ball, and didn't give Texas State's offensive line really – they could never – they never got comfortable in terms of firing off and pushing guys around. It was stalemated at best for most of the night and just didn't really allow any uh, any running lanes Forced mm-hmm. Texas State to kind of be in some throwing situations that were predictable. And then they got after, uh, you know, the offensive line a little bit, pressured T.J. Finley, forced some early throws, got a couple of sacks. He does mm-hmm. – he's done a really good job of taking care of the ball. Uh, rather than throwing it into dangerous spots. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's going to have to be a better performance by the offensive line uh, coming up this week. I certainly think they're capable of it because we've seen it uh, in the Baylor game. And, you know, first time to to do it in front of the home crowd. Uh, We'll see how they uh, how they respond to that on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, very noticeable when you look at the running game versus Baylor compared to versus in week two versus UTSA. Definitely a night and day difference. Had some success running against Baylor, but tough going against uh, UTSA. And a lot of it had to do with, of course, some sacks and things like that that kind of right. affected the yards negatively. But overall, averaging 87 yards per game. So, Brent, how important is it going to be for you to get that running game going to help your quarterback out?
2: I think it's going to be a really key, you know, not only this Saturday, but moving forward, um, you know, I look at third down and they and Texas State really struggled on third down, you know, Struggle. in the Alamo Dome on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And the way that you win third down is by winning first and second. You gotta make third down more manageable. Uh, you have to let you have to make sure the defense is kind of guessing what you're gonna do. You know, on third and eight, third and nine, not much of a secret. You're almost certainly gonna be throwing the ball, you know, and that's because you didn't win enough yards on first and second down where you're in a passing situation and a passing down. If you get, you know, three, four yards on both first and second by running the ball, you know, then all of a sudden you're looking at third and two, third and three, and you could open up up your playbook a little bit more. You can maybe run again, run some play action, you know, disguise some things, you know, fool the opposing defense or or whatever the case may be, you know. So um, that's why running the ball effectively is going to be very important for this game on Saturday and, again, you know, moving forward for this team and, you know, as exciting as they can be in terms of stretching the field and, and getting vertical and that kind of thing, um, you know, they want to be balanced offensively. I looked at Incarnate Word's numbers from a year ago, and, and yeah, 50 points a game. And, you know, uh, uh, Lindsey Scott, their quarterback, was a Walter Payton award winner, and and uh, he, he was tremendous as were the Cardinal receivers. But I looked, and, like, they ran the ball just as well as they threw it. This is a part of the Mac Leftwich, G.J. Kenny offense is running the football. Um, And when I talked to Coach Kenny early in the week about the running back position, they don't have a bell cow. You know, I look at Jackson State. Irv Mulligan has been the bell cow back for the Tigers. You know, for the Bobcats, they really don't have that. So it feels like it's a matter of riding the hot hand. but Mm -hmm. But they need, you know, of the three or four backs they have. Somebody's got to get hot to ride them. And and mm-hmm. I think we kind of saw that a little bit in Waco with Ishmael Mahdi. Mm-hmm. He, him, himself, by the way, a former FCS guy at Houston Christian. Um, we really never saw the hot hand in San Antonio. And, and um, now it wasn't just the backs, as Clint talked about, too. It was offensive line play and losing Nash Jones early in the game. Um, but uh, if they can get, you know, the run game going, then this team becomes very, very hard to beat.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked about those struggles on thirds down, only a 29% third down conversion percentage. So I know that's something that Coach Kenny is focused on cleaning up. But Clint, our head coach, T.C. Taylor, he talks a lot about your speed at the wide receiver position. So who are some guys that stand out in that wide receiver room?
1: Well, there's two guys really who return off of last year's uh, squad, Ashton Hawkins, who was the leading receiver a year ago, a, a real difference maker uh, with the football. in his hands broke his collarbone, I think, with three games left a season ago so he was lost for the rest of the year. So having him back, and that's one of the big recruiting wins for G.J. King and staff, he had actually entered the transfer portal. Uh, at the end of last season, one of the first tasks that they had when they got here was to get him out of the portal and convince him to stay here in San Marcos, which they did him and Julian Ortega Jones are really the only two names left uh, that saw you know, significant playing time off of that uh, squad from a year ago. You add Cole Wilson, who I mentioned earlier, uh, dangerous, not only at the out wide, but uh, in the kick return game as well. And so when you have him and Hawkins on the field together. They're almost uh, two prototypes of, of, of each other. Uh, one wears one, one wears two and, and they almost and they look and move almost the same when they're on the field as far as their size and stature and their speed and ability to cut and change direction goes. Uh, out wide, uh, you've got the transfers from uh, Marshall. You got another one in Sean Shaw who goes about six foot six transfer from Iowa State. We really saw him for the first time last week down in San Antonio. Joey Hobart, who was a uh, All-American yeah. at, uh, at uh, Utah Tech, uh, I believe it was, came in and had a touchdown catch and three or four big grabs, including an ESPN uh, top ten yeah. highlight. May it have been nice. the number one that night, that one-handed grab along the sideline. Yeah. And then last week, you have Drew Donnelly. Uh, i date myself a little bit, son of Doug Donnelly, former Dallas Cowboy from back in the 1980s. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Really, I think we saw him for the first time a week ago. Caught five balls. In, uh, in the Alamo Dome against UTSA, he may be the fastest of the wide receiver mm. core. And so they've added a level of explosiveness and to go with the throwing ability of, of TJ Finley, the ability to go downfield and be vertical, I think is something that this group was missing last year and maybe the last two and three seasons that's been added back into the mix this year. Not that you want to come out and throw it 40 yards down the field every snap, But defensively, if you have to think about it every snap, it kind of helps. You can kind of dictate the way the defense has to play you to a certain degree.
0: Absolutely. And if we look at the defensive side of the ball, Brant, Bobcats are giving up 27 and a half points per game. And I talked about how big the O-line is, but that D-line is just as big. And I mean, they're wreaking some havoc. Third in the country in tackles for loss with 10 and a half a game ninth in the country in sacks for a game. So this unit appears to be the strength of the defense, and they really get pressure with just the four-down linemen, and they're limiting teams to only three yards per rush as well. So talk about that defense, but specifically that line.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, again, I, I, I go back to Coach Kenny's one year at a Carter Ward last year, and it was easy to get caught up in the offensive numbers. They were, you know, again, really fun to watch. But defensively, the numbers were just as good. They led the country last year. UIW did in tackles for loss. They were top uh, five nationally in sacks. They were top 10 nationally in turnovers forced. And that was with Jonathan Patkey as the de- as the um, defensive coordinator. So uh, coach Patkey is now at Texas state with coach Kenny. Uh, they brought with them three key players on the defensive side of the ball with them as well. Sam Latham, a defensive end who was uh, really big six, seven mm-hmm. He's TJ Finley size, but not mm-hmm. throwing the ball. Um, Caleb Culp, And uh Sean Holden at safety, you know, both were playmakers a year ago at UIW. Um, and and so you know, his his Jonathan Packey style of defense, you know, they're very aggressive, and and while they can get a lot from the guys up front, you know, in terms of pass pressure, they're they're going to bring pressure from all different angles. You're gonna see the linebackers, the safeties creep up, the corners coming in and blitzing. You know, you're going to see defensive tackles drop back in zone coverage, mm-hmm. you know, or ends fake the rush and then drop back into you know into a passing lane kind of thing. So there's a lot of deception, you know, with that defense, um, and uh, uh, and they're beginning after too. You know, you reference the stats, and what's funny is I, I I noticed that Jackson State stats against Southern were very uh, uh, similar. I mm-hmm. think Jackson State had 15 tackles for loss, six sacks, and three turnovers against Southern your Texas state's numbers through two games are very similar right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guys up front, that's what you're asking about. There, there was some retention defensively from what they had a year ago, namely Jordan rebels at defensive end. Who's one of the team captains. Um, ben Bell was listed as a linebacker who usually plays at rush position uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. He does a tremendous job of getting to opposing quarterbacks they added a lot of size in the interior on the defensive line. A name you're probably going to hear a lot of is Tavion Coleman, number 91. He's a transfer from Utah State. Uh, he's been arguably you know, the best interior D lineman they've had through the first two games of the season. Um, and a big player they they, they kind of added a li- very late you know, in the offseason was Chance of Maine. Uh, Chance actually was with Coach Prime in Boulder as recently as four yeah. weeks ago. Five weeks ago, wow. and then transfers wow. out, comes to Texas State. I don't think he played at all or snap. Clint can correct me on that if I'm wrong at Baylor. No, but, I don't
1: remember seeing him.
2: But but at UTSA, he did, and he was impactful, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where, like, he's going to get plenty of reps, you know, from moving forward kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah, you, but you're right, Corey, you know, everything with the defense starts up front, right? I'm a big believer in that. Um, a good secondary – compliments your 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 guys up front, but a good pass rush compliments the secondary as well. The reason, how do you get turnovers? You force a, the quarterback into mistakes and making throws he doesn't want to make. You know, that all, that all starts up front.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And Clint, I know we talked about a couple things that you guys would probably focus on cleaning up, obviously the third down conversion. We talked about some things in the run game, but if you had to kind of pinpoint something that you believe that coaching staff is focusing on the most, in terms of what they need to clean up going into this game, what would you say that would be?
1: You know, a lot of what we talked about with G.J. Kenny on the show uh, Monday nights had to do with uh, execution on the offensive side. I think maybe he was maybe disappointed more just in the way that they handled their business. And it wasn't a letdown Mm -hmm. necessarily from the Baylor game. It's just they he didn't feel like they were – able to get comfortable get into a rhythm and really kind of get focused as to what they were doing another area that i know that they that they're wanting to to you know make some strides in flip the third down conversions to the defensive side and getting themselves off the field and utsa was able to convert i know baylor was throughout the second half the week before able to convert some third down and longs, and that's just mm-hmm. It's as a coaching staff, you know, as a fan base, is one of the more frustrating things. Is when your defense gets themselves into a third and seven, third and eight situation, allows a third down conversion, and for a drive to continue, more plays they got to be on the field, and you know, gives the team a new set of downs to to work with. So I think that right there uh, is one of the big areas that I think I'd like to see, and I'm sure they would too. Improvement is getting themselves off the field
0: on third down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Despite those struggles on third down, offensively, one bright spot for them, especially when you talk about improving the execution, is Fourth down conversion, they have a pretty high uh, fourth down conversion rate. I think uh, thirty percent or so. I'm sorry, eighty percent or Mm something. So that's always positive. Of course, you never want to put yourself in a fourth down situation, but when they are in that in that situation, it seems like they're doing a good good job of converting. So we're expecting a great game. Obviously, playing you guys for the first time, but from a fan standpoint, because we like to travel, and we've been on the road three straight weeks. This will be the fourth week in a row. We started out in Atlanta. Then we're in in Miami and then Baton Rouge, so we're kind of tired and ready to to, to stay at the house, but uh, we do expect the crowd to travel, and we have a huge fan base and alumni base throughout the state of Texas, and they don't get a chance to get to a lot of games, so I know they can't wait to visit with you guys, but just talk to our fan base. What can we expect? Talk about the atmospheres, anything that we should know, et cetera. I'll,
2: I'll jump in here first, Clint, you know, and uh, there's a lot of buzz, you know, for this game. Certainly it's a home opener. You know, that's mm-hmm. going to draw interest no matter what the circumstances are. But the circumstances matter here now. One of them being that, the, you know, this team beat Baylor a couple weeks ago and that got mm-hmm. the fan base really excited. You know, uh, last week, a lot of those fans made the short drive to San Antonio, you know, to watch the game in the Alamo Dome. And, you know, Clint can tell you his firsthand experience being in both of those stadiums is that our fan base turned out in both Waco mm-hmm. and San Antonio, and they were loud. So if, if they're showing up for the road games, imagine what, they're gonna, what it's going to be like here, mm-hmm. you know, in San Marcos. So home opener, exciting brand of football, new head coach, power five win, though that's all going to create a great game day environment, I would think, from the fan base. You know, um, and the fact that Jackson State is going to travel as well, too. You know, hopefully that place, you know, is filled up pretty nicely, you know, by mm-hmm. kickoff, which is later now. It, initially, we yeah, said yeah. 6 p.m. Yeah. kick, now 730 yeah. um, in anticipation of the game of the temperature being really hot. Although right. I think what I'm hearing now is that the the high is 83, something like that, yeah. which
1: it's it's changed. Yeah, it, might, it may
2: as well be winter here 83 degrees right okay so um uh in terms of like in, in the stadium there they've introduced a number of new concession items which i you know had the chance to actually uh test out myself last week okay. so y'all could love that um assuming that you're not showing up just for the game the, oh, no.
0: the
2: um the tailgate experience absolutely is, to me is one of the best ones in the sunbelt conference uh, okay. in fact it's, it's you know it's been a little bit frustrating that some of our fans you know, come out for tailgating, but not getting into the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue, you know, this Saturday. I think the fans, you know, are ready to get into the stadium and watch this team play. Um, and then if you're making a weekend of it, you know, San Marcos is a tremendous college town. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's right between Austin and San Antonio. So it's very easy to get to, you know, and then when you get into the town itself, they have a great downtown atmosphere, place called the Square a number of local restaurants and bars and stuff like that to go check out we have an outlet mall here if you want to go shopping you know uh because it's been so hot people love jumping into the river we have that the st marcus river you know, we, the river runs literally runs through campus um so yeah. it's just you know it's it's a uh, student body of close to forty thousand. it's an, it's a record this year of enrollment so our student body's never been bigger Kind of deal. Hmm. So like you come to San Marcos and you're getting a college field. Not that you didn't get that, Corey, in Atlanta or Miami, you know, um, which are you know, those towns are more SEC towns yeah. and, and pro sports towns. This is a college town, you know, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great one at that.
0: Wow. I'm, I'm definitely excited and looking forward to it. Uh, Brad, we may have to hire you as a tour guide after that. Oh. <laughs> definitely. I don't know if there's anything you can add to that. Anything else we need to look out for? No, I mean,
1: Brent hit on it. Uh, You know, I think uh, you've got to also acknowledge our athletic director, Don Coriel and university president, Kelly Dampus. They are so active uh, in terms of getting out into the community, into the uh, band base, into the student body, and encouraging them with, you know, video releases every week to, to get to the stadium. Uh, it, a south end zone complex renovation just got started this week uh you know i think literally i don't know that they've actually put a put a shovel in the ground yet but you know i think some cranes have showed up it's about to get underway which will change the way the the stadium looks visually but at the same time it's one of those things that kind of drives interest in the program because the program is is continuing to grow and uh, you know it, it's my hope that you know uh, from a fan base standpoint there's not too much of a oh, here we go again after dropping that one to UTSA, because I do think UTSA picked second in their conference this year with a, uh, what, seventh-year senior returning a quarterback, a guy named Frank Harris, who's one of those guys who's just kind of got that it factor. He was injured in the game on Saturday, yet continued to play and made plays down the stretch that helped his team win. It's that type of guy that you were trying to beat, and he got you by a touchdown on Saturday. But I think this team – is poised to, to to kind of turn the corner towards something special here in San Marcus. And, and it's my hope that we've got a really good turnout for the for the home opener coming up on
0: Saturday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned a seven year player. We have a seven year quarterback as well. Mr. Jason. Yeah, uh, Jason Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he started out on the FCS level at St. Francis, but he actually transferred to South Carolina. He had some big wins against SEC opponents, including a win over the 21st ranked team in the country and then he went on to Virginia Tech before coming to Jackson State with another year of eligibility. So we're all too familiar with that. So, again, looking forward to a great game, great atmosphere, obviously, with the the weather. We love our night games at Jackson State. ESPN Mm -hmm. plus 730 kickoff. We absolutely cannot wait. I do have some disappointing news for you. I don't know if you've heard or if this is breaking news for you. Our world-renowned band, the Sonic Boom of the South, will not make the trip. No. They will not be traveling. So, I'm sorry oh, to break that to you. Yeah, I don't know the, the situation, but I think they just been on the roll for you know three weeks in a row. Not to mention yeah. obligations throughout the week. So, I think they just needed to break. So, a little bit of a bummer, but nonetheless, we expect a great, great atmosphere, a great game day. And a fun fact about these two teams: even though these two programs have never played and are mostly unfamiliar with one another, instantly enough, there's a little bit of crossover there. Number one, R.J. Fleming, who was on your staff uh, last season, I think as maybe a Mm -hmm. running backs coach, he had a brief stint at Jackson State as the wide receiver coach after he left. Now, he decided not to stay for whatever reason, so he's going on. I think he's at Toledo now, but he was there and uh, was really great at recruiting during the few months that he was there. He definitely left an impact. And there was a lot of back and forth with that recruiting battle. I think a lot of it had to do with R.J. Fleming, but I follow Tiger Talk. We follow recruiting very closely, and there were a number of, I mean, a number of guys who had offers from both Texas State and Jackson State. And it came out to the wire with a couple of them. You guys won some battles. We won a few battles, but definitely a lot of back and forth there. And one notable name that you ultimately won out on was your freshman quarterback, PJ Hatter. I don't know if you knew this or not, but he was originally committed, verbally committed to Jackson State. And uh, we thought we had him, even on up to signing day. For me, it was a shock when he signed with, with you guys instead of us because I thought we had We even had him here on the show, Tiger Talk with 1,400 Club. He's been a guest. So uh, you have him. So uh, congratulations on winning that battle. But um, uh, great job again you guys with the recruiting. And, and we're right there with you from a recruiting standpoint. So, again, we're looking forward to it. So uh, any final words that you want to say? And if you have any social media for yourself or for our Texas State Athletics, be sure to go ahead and promote
2: no, I'll just say that uh, looking forward to a great game. You know, uh, it, it's Texas State has some history, you know, against the swag. Namely, it's been the schools in Texas, Prairie a and Texas Southern. They played Pine Bluff a couple of uh, about nine years ago, but that's been it. You know, so to, to have this matchup, you know, take place in St. Marcus for the first time, given where the two programs are right now, I think it's phenomenal. Um, you know, so looking forward to that. Um, you know, uh Clint and I could both be found on social. Uh mine's uh at Brandt underscore Freeman. Uh I'll let you I'll let Clint give his and uh, highly encourage by anybody who's watching to turn me off and uh bring up Clint's <laughs> radio call instead with syncmygame.com.
1: Inside joke there with the syncmygame.com okay. reference. Okay. Uh you can, can find see. me on Twitter. At C shields radio, no underscores. It's all one word, so to speak, C shields radio. So yeah, give us a follow looking forward to Saturday night. You know, Nothing wrong with playing Baylor and, and UTSA. We get Nevada next week, who we saw last year. But you've got something totally fresh in Jackson State mm-hmm. coming to town, an opponent you've never seen before. Fan base that you're learning about all the history that that goes with that school and that's athletic program, and that's that's fun to me to to get to see some new opponents before we you know get into the rigors of the Sun Belt of, of folks that we see each and you know each and every year.
0: Absolutely, same here. Something new, something different. We don't always get to play an FBS opponent, so it's always great to kind of see where we stack up. Also, prepare for conference play, which begins the following week. So we are looking forward to it. So, again, thank you guys for joining us. Looking forward to meet you. And I'm just, again, looking forward to the game and the atmosphere. Great. Thanks, Corey. Corey, thank you. All right. All right. My pleasure. Thank you. Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club is presented by Bet Online.